Welcome to a special release series from Christ Church of Orinogo. We're having conversations about an impact partner of ours, Black Box International. My name is Drake Holderman. I serve as the missional impact minister here at Christ Church, and I'm joined by Chad Brown. Chad is a Jesus follower and worships with us here at Christ Church. He's a husband, a dad, and serves as the ministry director at Schubert Mitchell Homes. In the first episode of this series, I sat down with Wade Landers and Roger Twitchell, both leaders at Black Box International, and had a conversation with them around human trafficking and aftercare. If you haven't listened to that episode, I would encourage you to go there first and then come back to this episode. Chad and I are going to have a conversation around the question, how can those of us at Christ Church make an impact with Black Box? I hope this conversation encourages you toward prayer, generosity, and involvement. What's up, Chad? How are you? Hey, Drake. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on here. Here's why you were a part of this podcast. You and I got to go on a trip with Black Box to the Dominican Republic, separate of one another. You went with Schubert Mitchell, mm-hmm. and uh, I went with Christchurch, which was fun because we both go to Christchurch, and yeah. a lot of people from Christchurch on the trip, and um, really fun because we also bumped into each other for the first time in the Dominican <laughs> in immigration, literally bumped into one another in line. Which yeah, you really were coming fun. from Miami, and we were coming from Atlanta, and we literally walked off our separate jetways yes. into each other. We did. We did. It was really fun, and uh, you picked the best line to get through immigration. You beat me through, and uh, I'm jealous of you for that. This isn't really the topic of the podcast today, but I'm curious, as a ministry director, what do you do when you work for a for-profit organization as their ministry director? Like, why did they send you to the Dominican for Black Box? Yeah. Uh, Well, uh, a part of um, the ministry at Schubert Mitchell is um, thinking outside of Schubert Mitchell, the the ministries, the whether local or global, mm-hmm. uh, that we support, um, we we meet with them um, periodically. Uh, but uh, a really cool opportunity to actually go away, you know, and and see one of our ministry partners at work. Right. And so uh, we support uh, Black Box International, and um, really been able to get to know Wade mm-hmm. uh, really well over the past year. And um, I'd. I worked with several others on the team at various times yeah. in my life in a, in a weird sort of roundabout way, but um, just had an opportunity to go see, like you did, yes. uh, to see um, the, them on, on the field, you know, boots on the ground, what they're doing. Yeah. So the neither one of us are really involved in anti-trafficking efforts on a day-to-day basis, right? Mm-hmm. The organizations that we work for, uh, Schubert Mitchell Homes, Christ Church of Orinogo, uh, our ministry partners with, and we both had the opportunity to go. And the purpose of the trip was to, you know, learn, be educated, uh, and spend a lot of time in prayer. Um, so the reason I asked you and for me as well to be on this conversation is we're just dudes at Christ Church of Orinogo here in Southwest Missouri who want to follow Jesus. And we know that Christ has a heart for justice and uh, for care for people who have been victimized like the boys that Black Box serves. And a question has been on my mind a lot since that trip is how can those of us at Christ Church help Black Box and their ministry toward these boys and caring for their souls? And uh, I really wanna hear your thoughts on this and um, you know some of your reflections from the trip. So yeah. pre-trip, when it comes to human trafficking, What did you envision? Like, what were your thoughts on trafficking? What did you think about when you thought of trafficking just before the trip? Yeah. Well, the first time I'd ever even heard that concept, heard of of, uh, human trafficking, would have been around uh, 2006, 2007. 
um, CIY or Christ and Youth um, mm-hmm. did uh, produced a film, a short film called Bot. Okay. Uh, B-A-H-T. If you've never seen it, it's a pretty eye-opening film about uh, that industry. And um, that's the first time I'd really heard of that as a concept, but then also got to know Rafa House, yeah. uh, a ministry uh, that's headquarters is in Joplin. Yep. And um, so really got to know Rafa House through that. And, uh, you know, all these years later, really, I, I know that uh, trafficking happens with boys and girls. Mm-hmm. Um, but really when I thought about trafficking, it, I thought about it being girls, yeah. you know, yeah. um, these, these poor uh, young women uh, and never really gave much of a thought about it being boys. And um, mm-hmm. I'm, I know you talked to Wade and yeah. Roger and, and heard the story of Black Box, but, um, you know, just very, uh, very jolting uh, to see um, and sad to see that there's a need for a ministry like this for young boys. Right. So It's personal. Yeah. I have two boys. You have two boys. Yep, right. that's right. It's personal to, to those of us. Um, and even on the trip, we... Uh, Black Box does a great job of keeping the boys' identity anonymous and confidential, right? But when we went to church and worshiped where they worship, you could assume who were some of the boys, right? And right. Uh, really put a face and name to to these victims. Um, they're real people. They're real boys. Um, they're real sons, just like our sons are, you know? And um, when you think of when, when you think of human trafficking, most people do think of, of women or girls and Wade and Roger, you know, talked about how the, the efforts when it comes to caring for boys who have been rescued from trafficking is very minimal. Uh, there's less than 100 beds in the world uh, when it comes to aftercare for boys. So Black Box is really on the forefront of this kind of ministry and um, is a very eye-opening trip. What are some of the things you saw when we were in the Dominican that, uh, you know, taught you about this ministry and also this problem of human trafficking when it comes to young boys? Yeah. Uh, several times through the weekend, they took us to um, just various places where the stuff went on. Uh, yeah. Three specifically. Uh, one was on Saturday morning, we went to a beach. Mm-hmm. You remember? We, yeah. uh, very touristy. Uh, lots of lots of families, uh, lots of couples. You know, it was it was the place to be, right. and uh, gorgeous setting. Um, oh, beautiful! Deep know. blue waters. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Wade led us through a exercise, just a sort of a thinking exercise. You know, and um, then uh, he, he talked about how beautiful but broken right. this place is, because as beautiful as it is, and um, as fun as it seemed to be. Uh, this is where young boys would be brought onto the beach or, mm-hmm. or watched from afar uh, yeah. as they, you know, proposition, you know, mm-hmm. as they offer themselves. And um, so we walked up and down the beach praying and just uh, trying to grapple with right. um, how this even exists in this beautiful place. One thought in that moment we talked about later was how, uh, you know, a lot of us will use you know, maybe you use the sounds of the ocean for right. white noise as you're mm. going to sleep yes. or, you know, somebody might set a picture of the beach on their desktop wallpaper mm-hmm. to be calming and peaceful. Yeah, it's a beautiful picture, yeah. beautiful sound for most people. Right, but uh, but maybe for these boys, that's a triggering mm. uh, memory uh, of trauma. And so that, w- that was something uh, that was sort of hard to, 
to wrestle with. But uh, that was the first place we went. And the second one, and, and probably the one that impacted me the most was, I believe it was that same day later in the evening. It was that evening, yeah. Yeah, where they dropped us off in front of what, where we would eat dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, we split into three groups and uh, three groups of about four. And we went out into the city yeah. and uh, just to, to pray uh, and, to, and to just get a feel for what life is like there. And so uh, our group, first we went down to this beach and it was a different beach. This was mm-hmm. where local families went, right. you know, after school, after work. The first beach was a lot of European tourists. Exactly. This one was a lot of Dominicans. Yeah. 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 And you could tell they were taking their dinner down to the beach mm-hmm. just to, it's like as, as if we took our kids to the park or something, right. you know. And so they're all there and it's, it's a happy place. And we stood mm-hmm. there taking it all in and then we walked about a block or two over yeah. And these were some rough streets. Yeah. Um, kind of like, are, are we good here? <laughs> yeah. Are we okay here? Yeah. Um, but in the course of about 45 minutes, at least our group, we had probably two or three different club promoters or bar promoters mm-hmm. yeah. approach us asking us uh, if we wanted uh, girls. Right. Um, and, and, and it was weird too because... It was like a part of the menu. It was like, hey, we got we got mm-hmm. fresh fish, we got music, we've got uh, drinks, yeah. uh, we got girls. Do you want girls? We got twenty five girls, and I'm right. like, what? And 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 yeah. they don't just you don't just say no and walk on. They follow you. Down oh the yeah, persistent. Yeah, yeah. And so that was a pretty. Um, I don't I don't even know what to call it. It was uh, it was a heavy night. Heavy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a weird. A collision in your soul, right? You're like, this oh, yeah. is a problem, and I've just been offered, you know, know. this this thing that I detest mm-hmm. um, with every fiber of my being. I remember the first time that ever happened to me. I was in in Poland with one of my friends who's a missionary, Mac and Olivia Johnson, who are Impact Partners, and uh, it was happening so much. He had to teach me Polish how to say no, thank you, <laughs> uh, because it was happening so much. But yeah, yeah it's 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 hard. And then um, that evening, we were at that restaurant after we went to the prayer, and I don't know if you had seen this or not, but we um, were leaving and Roger Twitchell looked at me and said, hey, look over at that table. And it's probably a 65-year-old man and uh, probably European or American and um, then a 20-year-old maybe, Dominican girl. And uh, they did not belong at a table at a date together. And Roger said, what's happening there is he's paying for the you know full experience to feel like he has uh, someone who loves him and mm. uh, is going to offer him sex at the end of the night, that sort of thing. And it's it was hard to see, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, that pain and that um, experience was a was a great teacher to to really show us the problem of what is going on. So I appreciate you reflecting on that. So when we think of human trafficking, um, a lot of people think of the rescue. They think of I mean, when I when I talk to the boys uh, as a, as a youth pastor, and they recognize the problem of human trafficking, they envision themselves as the guys who kick down the door and rescue the the kids or the women. Uh, who have been trafficked, who are enslaved. And uh, there are definitely people out there who do that, but that's not what Black Box does. And they're, you know, they don't apologize for that. They serve a very specific purpose, which is aftercare. And Roger talked a lot about that uh, last week. So did Wade. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm curious, when you thought of the term aftercare for trafficking, I had never really reflected on aftercare. And we know now that there's less than 100 beds for boys in the world when it comes to aftercare. What did you learn on this trip when it comes to the ministry that Black Box is doing? Hmm. Well, I I probably thought aftercare 
was very similar to how it sounds. You yeah. know, it's, it's it's a place for people to end up. And and I think because I was familiar with Rafa House, mm-hmm. um, I had a good idea. Um, but I think exactly what you just said, uh, that was the the piece to me that um, was the, the, the learning element mm-hmm. was um, that everybody wants to, like you said, kick down a door. Right. Um, it's macho, you know? Yeah. And, and it's feels and, good. And you're a hero and, and you've right. rescued them. And that is an important piece. It is. People need to be rescued. Right. But, but I guess what I hadn't considered was with all of the trauma and the baggage and the pain, uh, the psychological issues, um, you know, kicking a door down and, and pulling them out of slavery and then, you know, setting them on a sidewalk and say, you're free to go. Right. Doesn't do the trick. Uh, you know, you, they, they need, um, I mean, these kids need education. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they need, that that was one thing that stood out to me was, you know, maybe they've been at this all their life, right? You know, and they literally have had a, no education, mm-hmm. and so uh, they're they're in the home learning. Um, they're getting their you know their basic needs right. met. Um, uh, it was cool to see that they've got in in the uh, home uh, a psychologist, right? You know, working with the boys, doing offering some counseling, and yeah helping them sort through the the mental anguish yeah. and, the, and the trauma. So I think the the big piece for me was just um, learning just how crucial aftercare is mm-hmm. uh, beyond the initial rescue. Right, because rescue is important. Nobody's denying that, but that's just the beginning of healing. Yeah. They're being removed from their dangerous situation, their position of uh, enslavement. And uh, the work that Black Box specifically does is to help them recover and to heal. And uh, it's a a tough labor, you know, like it's a long labor. Kicking a door down takes a couple of minutes and bringing boys out of homes maybe takes the evening, but walking with the boys who have been abused uh, for years. Yeah. um, It's it's the kind of thing that I didn't appreciate as much before the trip as I do now. Uh, Being in their home where the boys live and where they are tutored and where they are counseled and meeting the the women and some of the other staff who uh, are with the boys day in and day out. It is a labor of love yeah. that is needed for for healing. And uh, a lot of these boys, some some of them have uh, families to go back to, maybe not a mom or a dad, but an, an aunt or uncle or grandparent or something like that. Some of the boys will age out and um, their closest relationship is with the people, uh, the leaders there at Black Box in the homes. Yeah. And uh, just became so aware of how important that is. And what I appreciate too is their involvement in the local church. The boys are very involved in the youth group and, mm-hmm. and a part of that. And Black Box's team and their commitment to these boys is long suffering. It, it is a, um, a labor of love. And I think I just grew in so much gratitude for Black Box when I, when I learned about what they, yeah. they did. If I can tell a, just a quick story, yeah. I, we walked through the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they arranged for the boys to be away, uh, and to I don't know what they they were did. at a soccer game. They went to a soccer yeah. game, right? Yeah, and so it gave us a few hours to just be in their home and to meet the staff and to pray for the staff yeah. and to learn. Um, but one uh, particular moment, you remember they we we walked through and prayed in mm-hmm. the different rooms, and I found myself in one of the boys' uh, bedrooms. There's a bunk bed uh, on one side of the wall and a, a twin size right, bed on the yeah. other. And I stood there just next to this top bunk with my hand on it, praying. Mm-hmm. And 
I just had this memory of just two days prior, you know, Thursday mm-hmm. night, I'm getting ready to leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, my own boys, I've tucked them in and they are in bunk beds. Right. And my oldest sleeps on the top bunk. And, uh, and he was sad that I was going to be gone for the weekend. Yeah. And, and I was standing next to the uh, bed and he wrapped his arms around my neck and he was crying. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, I, I, I was holding him for a few minutes and so then I find myself standing next to this bunk in this house and I just thought, man, what happens when this kid has a bad dream? Or, you know, I'm not trying to lessen the, the love and the care that the, the, mm-hmm. the executive director and the, the, the people right. in that place do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this, this kid doesn't have a, a dad, mm-hmm. you know, um, to just stand there and, and hold him. And so, uh, again... Just moment after moment, realizing how uh, the, the the contrast between my kids' lives and and the lives of these little boys in this home. It's different. Yeah. It's different. Not just the culture, because we have to remember, this is what Wade was talking about, their culture is beautiful, right? I mean, it's fun, it's vibrant, but there's a lot of brokenness. And for these boys who are beautiful boys, um, their spirits have been broken by abuse, you yeah. know, exploitation and... Uh, what Black Box is doing and uh, stepping in to fill what somebody else should have done for the boys to protect them and to love them and to allow them a place to heal. Yeah. And um, I, want, I, want to, I want to talk about something that is harder for me to think about than any of these other things that we've been discussing. And it's the abusers in the situation, the, the perpetrators, those who are, who are selling or buying children, boys, you know, in Black Box case for, for sex and, and abusing them. What, what thoughts, if you had any thoughts before, what were your thoughts on those people and has God taught you anything or reminded you anything uh, about them? Yeah, since I first learned about trafficking, I think the perpetrators have always been this nebulous, vague, faceless evil right. out there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's hard to imagine somebody actually doing it. Right. Right. And, and our, our thoughts, our prayers, our efforts all go toward the abused, you mm-hmm. know, the, the, the kids. And, you know, I'm, I'm praying for these kids and let's go help these kids and let's go on this medical mm-hmm. mission, you know, whatever. And, um, but when it comes to the perpetrators, I pray God's justice to rain down right. on them, you know? Right, yeah. Vengeance and wrath yeah. and, and, and justice. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't me. Somebody on the trip mentioned um, just that these, these people are made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. They have souls. Yeah. They are redeemable. Mm-hmm. And that... Uh, who knows what God could do with them. And, um, and that's something that, um, as I think about praying for people like that, I, I think a big part of prayer is the engagement of your imagination. Yeah. You know, a lot of our prayers can just be like, be with them, help mm-hmm. them, you know, mm-hmm. yes. uh, rescue them. Um, but to actually your, your imagination to engage with prayer and, and in the days and, since our trip, I have just thought, man, God, what could happen if you got a hold of them that somebody from within, mm-hmm. somebody who knows the inner workings of 
human trafficking, becoming a Christ follower, what could right. they do? Mm-hmm. They you know dismantle it from the inside. What kingdom work could they do? Yeah. Right, exactly. And so um, you you kind of just don't want to think you don't want to humanize them, right? You know, but uh, that that's the thing is just praying for their souls. And that's just a baby step. Yeah. But then to think through like, what could God do with them though? Mm-hmm. You know, it almost becomes an exciting thing to pray about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, you believe that God can do abundantly more than you can ask or imagine, right? Yeah. Words from Paul in Ephesians, when it comes to people who you said nebulous and faceless and, but they're real people, just like the boys who have been victimized are real people. Right. The perpetrators are also real people. And somebody brought this to my attention when we were reflecting on this. Um, they're also victims of the enemy, Satan, right? That's true. Uh, John speaks that Satan's work in the world is to steal, kill, and destroy life. And Satan has worked in their hearts and in their souls to steal their joy and kill their lives. And um, this is why they're in the place that they're in because Satan has a reign in their heart. And in that throne of their heart is a place that belongs for Christ to sit. And we should remember that, that these people made in the Imago Dei, the image of God, Christ can redeem and his work on the cross can cover their sin, just like it covers our sin. We're not abusers of children or anything like that, but we've lost our patience. We've lost our cool. We, we, we do these things, cheat, steal, lie, whatever. And some, for some reason we think, man, we're better than them. And uh, God's justice and his wrath is real and sin will be judged for what it is. But these men, these abusers are redeemable uh, by the blood of Christ. And that is something that I struggled to reconcile in my mind because I see like the man I mentioned at the restaurant, when I saw him and he walked by me and he had this kind of smug smirk on his face, it made me angry. Like I've never become instantly angry like I had in that moment. And I remember now that Christ loves that man and that man is broken by the enemy, but that man has the beautiful Imago Dei in him that it can be restored and redeemed. And we should be mindful of that and praying for that. Because like you said, who knows what God can do uh, with these men who have an inner working with the, the the networks of trafficking and man, they could maybe dismantle it from the inside out yeah. if God, if they allowed Christ to reign in their hearts, mm-hmm. you know? So at the end of every day, when we were um, sitting around, we had a lot of time for reflection and uh, conversation with, uh, you and I got to talk a lot. We got to talk a lot with other people on the trip. And one of the things that I wanted to, to hear from you again and for you to share from the church is some of the thoughts that God was reminding you of and giving to you and making you more aware of in your own life when, it, when you think about the justice that God is bringing to these boys and how you might be playing a part of it or just being aware of what God is doing. Yeah. Um, I'll try to say this concisely because it was kind of a train of thought yeah. when, when we were sitting out there on the porch. Um, uh, back to that beach where, not the tourist beach, but the sort of the local family right. beach. Um, we arrived at that spot and we stood there just looking around at all these families. And I know it sounds kind of obvious that like there are families living their lives around the world, you right. know, out, yeah. outside of what, what I'm doing. But to actually be in that space and to realize it, to mm-hmm. see it with my eyes. Right. That like, man, and I looked at my watch, you know, like about this time I'm leaving my office yeah. and heading home. Mm-hmm. And when I'm leaving, uh, thinking about the, the work that I've still got left to do tomorrow and the deadlines ahead of me and what my family's gonna be doing that night, you know, my own little world, this is all happening. Yeah. You know, uh, these families are coming down here and having dinner. Mm-hmm. 
but also a block away, people are selling other people. Yeah. You know, and, um, and so it just encouraged me in that moment standing there, like, I gotta, I gotta think more outside of my own world. Yeah. Um, there, there's such a, a, a bigger thing at work here. Um, but then we, you know, we sat on the porch and we were talking about that. And, and it was then I remembered this line uh, from a Dallas Willard book. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he wrote this book called The Divine Conspiracy. It is a must read. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an amazing book, but uh, in it, he really breaks down, dissects the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. Specifically, when he's talking about the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. he, um, he gets to that part, you know, may your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And before I get to Dallas's thoughts, I know if you're like me, uh, every time I've ever prayed that or read that, I read meaning into it like, May your kingdom come to me means may you come down and right all the wrongs in the world, mm-hmm. bring justice, uh, fix our culture, our brokenness. You know, it just, it's, it's very much like a, hey, fix the world kind of thing, right. right? And that's an easy prayer to pray when you have inside you pride and sin and things, mm-hmm. you know, it's like yes. fix everybody else. Right. Um, may your kingdom come. And, and Dallas Willard um, he talks about how we all have these little kingdoms. Uh, a kingdom is your range or, or the range of your effective will. Hmm. And so I have a range of my effective will, my kingdom. And that's yes. my preferences, my uh, goals, my uh, initiatives, the, my, um, the things I, I want to decide on and plan. And mm-hmm. I want to make this what I want it to be. That's my kingdom and if, and if I pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done, Dallas Willard's saying, what you really should be saying there is, Jesus, may your kingdom come displace my kingdom. Right. Um, like a giant boulder and a shallow pond, mm-hmm. you know, just push my kingdom out of me and fill me up with your kingdom. And so... That's a long train of thought, but this was all sort of in that on that Saturday as we yeah. were looking at all this life happening around us and good stuff and also mm-hmm. horrifying stuff. Yeah. Um, that um, you know, what does it look like for His kingdom to displace mine? And and I think that means if I'm going to be allegiant to the King, to His kingdom, then I need to um, change or at least allow Him to change my preferences. Yeah. And you know my my uh, some of my goals. Sure, yeah. His kingdom comes in, yeah. in me. You know that's my prayer. Yeah. Kingdom, may your kingdom come in me. And like you said, displace everything that I thought I had control over. Yeah. May you sanctify and redeem. And that yeah. might mean uh, like really leaning in a little bit more on something like black box. Yeah, you know, or it may just mean, well, I just need to develop a routine when I'm driving home. I know I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna pray for what's happening in the DR right. on my drive home because yeah. I've seen that moment of the day with my own eyes. Yeah. You know, I don't you, know. you know, you give up your meals that you enjoy to fast once a week and think about Black Box or yeah. turn off Spotify or Apple Music and on the way home and yeah, yeah. you know, become more aware of um, your 
your own trespass in your own heart of the, of the throne that belongs to Jesus mm-hmm. and uh, allow him to sit there and replace and, and reorganize all the desires of your heart for his glory and for the good of this world. And, uh, you know, specifically with Black Box, I appreciate you mentioning those things of what we can do. And other, other thoughts that you have on how Christ Church, individuals here at Christ Church can play a part in the ministry of Black Box International and the work that they're doing to care for these boys. Yeah, I think, uh, well, the first one I've, I've kind of already mentioned, but is kind of an obvious one is, is prayer. Um, and again, I, I think I said it earlier, but uh, sometimes I'm, I'm guilty of my prayers just being, mm-hmm. be with us, help us, you know, right. help them. And uh, I think um, we could really get a little bit more specific with our prayers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, and he is able to answer very specific prayers. Um, and so if we allow our imaginations to engage a little bit in our prayer, to, to really pray uh, for something um, specific and amazing, you know. Right. Um, I've always said that God parted the Red Sea, you mm-hmm. know. He can do crazier things sure. yeah. than, you know, get, a, get at the attention of a, human trafficker, right. you know? Right. And so um, these things are very much uh, a possibility. So, so prayer. And then um, the other one is, uh, well, I'll just say this, uh, pornography uh, fuels this industry. Right. Um, sex trafficking only exists because there's a demand. Right. And that kind of demand comes from a warped view of, of sexuality. It and, does. And so, um, you know, I, I can't imagine anybody as a kid, you know, said, I'm, I'm going to grow up and be a human trafficker, but it's only because um, of a pattern. And uh, I think a lot of people think, well, you know, pornography or even just a general lust, right? Uh, it's not hurting anybody, you know, this is just something private, um, but... Uh, but just in engaging with that, it, mm-hmm. it fuels the, right. the industry. And the industry uh, then creates the demand for people mm-hmm. to go outside of, maybe outside of their marriage or yeah. whatever and seek these things. And yeah. so um, to refrain, uh, to abstain, um, that's, that's another, another way. Yeah, purity in our own hearts and yeah. our own thoughts. And uh, maybe even praying, you know, you, you talk about the kingdom prayers that... Uh, Christ, the language that he uses in the Sermon on the Mount um, when he talks about this lust is to gouge it out, throw it away, cut it off, those sorts of things. If anything is causing you to sin, get it out of your life. And uh, it'd be good for your own soul, for your worship of God, for your marriages or whatever your circumstances in life when it comes to uh, these matters. But it affects people in the Caribbean. You know, eight, nine, 10-year-old boys in the Caribbean, they have become the supply to meet the demand Mm -hmm. of uh, abusers and perpetrators who want um, sex and this warped view of it. And um, yeah, that's a very powerful, uh, sometimes hard um, way to make a difference is to be pure hearted and pure minded when it comes to sex. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate you bringing that up. It's a little bit taboo, you know, to talk about, sure. but it's important because it really does play a part in the lives of women and children all across the world mm-hmm. uh, who are not products um, they're people, but they're being treated as products because a supply has to be provided to meet this demand of a worked view of sex. Mm. 
So I appreciate you bringing that up. And I would encourage anybody listening to this. Um, you know, James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And so if anybody's listening to this and they have this um, lust in their hearts or they're, they're dealing with pornography, to confess it and to uh, seek prayer by a trusted friend or counselor and uh, would really encourage everybody who's dealing with that to, to engage uh, in confession and prayer and repentance because uh, it, will, it will play a part in protecting maybe not these boys in the Dominican, but people, yeah. you know. Um, I really appreciate you sharing those thoughts on prayer and uh, abstaining from, from pornography. Absolutely. And uh, I, I want to speak for a second on Christchurch, what Christchurch is, is doing with Black Box. So Black Box for several years now has been a um, budgeted partner. We give monthly to their work and to their ministry. And um, the month of March, uh, we are featuring them as the mission of the month, the partner of the month, where we're um, talking about their ministry. It's one of the reasons we're doing the podcast. We're going to have them in the lobby and uh, we're going to be giving extra to them. And so I would love to encourage anybody who wants to make a big tip to the cafe, all the tips and profits from the cafe go right to Black Box International this month. And you can give directly either at Christchurch on our CCB websites or through the Black Box International website. And uh, we'll provide those links below in the, in the description of this episode. And uh, I would also love to encourage any listeners to just learn more about trafficking and become aware. You and I, Chad, we had the amazing opportunity to go and see what what uh, the problem is, but also what God is doing um, to, to right wrongs and to bring justice into the lives of these people. And the reality is not everybody has the time or the availability to go and see it uh, and go visit with Black Box, but uh, we all have the time to listen to podcasts, um, read books. Great organization is International Justice Mission. Uh, you already mentioned Rafa House, uh, Black Box International, obviously what we're talking about right now. Three great trusted organizations all have websites, social media accounts. Um, some of their leaders have written books and articles and those sorts of things. And so I would encourage you, Christchurch, to go and to read and to listen and to learn about what God is doing, uh, about his heart for justice and uh, how he is righting wrongs. So that's what I have for our church and my encouragement to them. Anything else you want to add? Again, it, it, was, a, it was a heavy trip. It was a, a fun trip to get to yeah. know some other people oh, from, sure, yeah. from the church that I don't usually get to hang out with. But uh, uh, I appreciate the opportunity just to come on here and share some thoughts. I appreciate you coming, man. You're a blessing. I uh, really do appreciate you. Great man of God. We love that you're a part of this community, part of this church and the work that you're doing. So thank you so much for joining us. And if anybody here listening has any questions, you can reach out to us. My email is drake.holderman at cco.church. And I would love to have further conversations with you about Black Box International. Chad, thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Drake. See you later. <laughs>